Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 84, New Hires and Something Brewing in Orlando. This episode is brought to you by our friends at True Victory. If you are not perfect, if you have ever struggled, if you have ever failed, if you have ever been the underdog, if you have ever doubted yourself or been doubted by others, if you want to get better, be better, and make our world better, this is the perfect brand for you. Founded by U.S. military veterans, True Victory is a sportswear and streetwear brand dedicated to building everyday champions on and off the field. True Victory is not simply a company, they're a cause. Its purpose is to transform lives and elevate humanity through the power and unity of sports, positive stories, and serving others. They are dedicated to the game, the grind, and the globe. But most importantly, they are dedicated to you. If you want to strive for something better, while proudly showing others your determination, grit, and supporting people like yourself, check out the True Victory Shop by simply clicking on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code PLAYER54 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. This week, we have multiple league developments to discuss. In addition, Orlando Sentinel and Tribune journalist Matt Merchel joins the show to discuss the efforts and likelihood of Camping World Stadium renovations and its potential impact on the Orlando Guardians. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On July 1st, Honolulu Star Advisor writer Stefan Tazi reported that Seattle Sea Dragons offensive coordinator June Jones was arrested on the evening of June 30th for suspicion of driving under the influence of alcohol. According to the report, Jones posted a $500 bail and was released that night. Coach Jones addressed the situation with the following statement. I was speeding and got stopped. I was coming from eating dinner. That's all I need to say right now. Several of other news outlets have also reported the arrest, including notable outlet Sports Illustrated. The Seattle Sea Dragons and the XFL have not addressed the situation. It is uncertain whether his arrest is being discussed within the league and if there will be any action taken. On July 5th, the XFL announced Josh Sella as the league's chief commercial officer. Sella will oversee league and team sponsorship, advertising, and consumer product businesses. Prior to joining the XFL executive team, he served Comcast Spectacore's gaming division as the chief revenue officer, which portfolio included gaming, esports, and media. Sella also led global partnership business for Activision Blizzard's Overwatch League and Call of Duty League, and served on the original leadership team that launched both initiatives. On July 6th, St. Louis Battlehawks special teams coordinator and tight ends coach Tori Woodbury announced he was leaving the team on Twitter with the following post. Thank you, Battlehawks Nation, for the opportunity to lead your special teams this past year. Unfortunately, I won't be returning to Hawks Nation. Again, thank you. It's been a dream. Hashtag playmakers. On July 7th, the XFL held at St. Louis, Missouri showcase at Missouri Baptist University. This showcase was the third player showcase completed in 2023. Also, on June 7th, 
The Indoor Football League announced the first annual IFL to XFL Combine will take place on August 4th in Henderson, Nevada during the IFL National Championship weekend. This exclusive opportunity gives IFL players a chance to showcase their abilities in front of XFL coaches and directors of player development. This event furthers the player personnel partnership between the two leagues that was announced in October of 2022. Also on June 7th, the XFL named former Birmingham Thunderbolts defensive back Dr. Anthony Blevins, the new Vegas Vipers head coach. Dr. Blevins was previously the National Football League's New York Giants assistant special teams coordinator. He has a lengthy professional coaching resume, which also includes assistant linebackers coach in 2021, assistant defensive backs coach in 2020, and assistant special teams coach 2018 and 2019 each with the Giants in five seasons as a coaching assistant in special teams with the Arizona Cardinals. Prior to joining the professional coaching ranks, Blevins served as the University of Alabama-Birmingham's cornerbacks coach in 2012, Tennessee State's cornerbacks and special teams coach in 2009, 2010, 2011, and Mississippi State University graduate assistant in 2005, 2006, and 2007. On July 9th, the XFL held its Washington, D.C. showcase at the University of Maryland. This was the fourth player showcase completed in 2023. As I had previously mentioned, I will now be joined by Orlando Sentinel and Tribune journalist Matt Merchell to discuss the efforts and likelihood of Camping World Stadium renovations and its potential impact on the Orlando Guardians. Welcome, Matt. I appreciate taking the time to come no on problem. to the show. Oh, you're welcome. And to discuss... This Florida Citrus Sports seeking funding to renovate Camping World Stadium and how it could potentially impact the Orlando Guardians 2024 season. So thank you for doing so. I mean, I'm relying on you to be the expert here. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, uh, this isn't, you know, obviously the Florida Citrus Sports is the group that runs the um, Camping World Stadium. You know, they they set up all the the events, you know, whether it's the uh, the two college football bowl games, you know, the Cheez-It Bowl, I guess now it's the Pop-Tarts Bowl. And, you know, then they have like the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Uh, they, they take care of that. They do the Florida Classic, which is the the annual game between Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman, the football game between that. Uh, they also are doing the neutral site game this year with between Florida State and LSU on, on September 3rd. Uh, and then they do other things, high school events and, and concerts and things like that. So they're the ones that really run the the stadium, the city itself and the county work. You know, take care of the the day to day operation, but um, so they're requesting. This is the latest thing they're requesting. Uh, the Orange County commissioners have put forth this task force, and they're getting requests to kind of how to spend this money that we get. It comes from the tax tourism dollars in our community uh, for people who stay overnight, things like that. And we've got about three hundred and I think it's three hundred sixty million last I checked uh, on the reserve for this. And so they ask everyone to come forward with this pitch. You know, what can you do with this money? What should we do for it? It can only can be used for events or for things that, you know, kind of promote arts and tourism. So it can't be used for infrastructure, roads, you know, new transportation, things like that. So they had about 52 groups put out proposals. And one of those was the Florida Citrus Sports. Uh, and, and their their proposal was for $800 million to, you know, finish off some renovations that began in 2014. And those renovations include, you know, uh, upper deck seating, you know, redoing that. Uh, doing a better job of with the concessions and, and concourses, making them larger, things like that. Uh, and they also proposed uh, 400 million of that was to go for a canopy kind of roof over the stadium, which would have a hole in the middle, very similar to what Hard Rock Stadium is down in, in Miami. And so this is kind of their proposal, and they've gotten past the first step. 
The task force has kind of recommended they should be included in this. And now they're waiting to hear back whether or not uh, the, com- the, the county commissioners will vote on it and decide whether they want to move forward on it. So it's a big step for this stadium. I mean, again, this is something that the stadium has been basically rebuilt from the from the foundation up since 2014. And uh, they're trying to compete with all these events. They'd like to get more events. They've just recently, as you, you know, obviously for your uh, listenership, they've got they're hosting the Orlando Guardians games, home games. So they're trying to find any way they can to kind of upgrade the stadium. And that's the what they've been working on now over the last couple of months. And they hope to by the end of the next month or so to have an idea of whether they'll get this money or not. So we just kind of ran with it, which is a good <laughs> thing, because you are obviously sharing the knowledge. I mean, that you have and everything tied to this potential project. And as anyone that follows the XFL, you know, we've been, you know, marked a twice failed league. You know, the second one was COVID, maybe not a fair shot, but here we are the third one. And everyone's always kind of wondering, well, how did they do in 2023? Right. And we look at attendance as a way to measure a market success. We look at TV ratings as far as what teams are in it and what networks they're on. And everyone's trying to dissect all that stuff. So there's always some concern with these alternative or supplemental football leagues that continue to pop up, hang around for maybe a year, maybe two, whatever it might be. And then, you know, fold. So everyone's always kind of on the tips of the show or on eggshells, shall I say, because they don't know what is going to happen next. When something like this comes up, it doesn't impact the entire league, but we do see how it could potentially impact one of its teams. And, you know, everyone starts to think, well, does that mean that this team has to be moved? Does it, we're not going to get there yet. But, I mean, looking at this project, it doesn't look like a small task, right, if this money is granted. You had mentioned the $800 million. Half of it's going to go for a canopy roof. Half of it's going to be for the project of the upper terraces, which is projected, for, according to uh, Steve Hogan, the CEO of Florida Citrus Sports, to add anywhere from 2,500 to 3,000 seats. So we know that that's a part of it. I have learned in my search, they're looking to add on essentially like a miniature convention center or field house to bring in other events, right? And so it's not just the stadium itself, but it's going to also impact the area potentially surrounding the stadium, whether that be parking, whether so it would be a significant fundamental shift from how we see the Guardians just had for game day. So that could shake everything up. Now, I have attended the Dolphin Stadium there, you know, Hard Rock, and it is still under construction, and it does shift some of the parking and whatnot out further, and it does impact the tailgating around it. Okay, so we know it, even if renovations can happen, it doesn't always mean that things can't be played, right? We know the Dolphins didn't necessarily make a shift. And we know that, so much is going to be, well, how much of it can be done in off seasons? Well, here's the thing. Who's off season? Are we talking about college football's off season? Are we talking about the XFL's off season? So as this starts to happen, because I did have a list of those events, I can't help but take a look at this like, well, somebody is going to be deemed the primary tenant even if they don't play games right if the focus is always a bowl game if the focus is always to have this that high school game right there's an annual high school game between jones high school and 
I don't know if it's always a rotating thing, but there's things that are scheduled that would be, okay, that's in a similar season. So maybe we keep that window operating and the XFL window becomes the window for renovations. I'm not saying you have any of that information because we are somewhat still early in this process. So what I've also learned is that there is the Orange County, what, Terrace Development Tax Citizens Advisory Task Force. I believe that. So you went just task force, but if anyone wants to know, there's <laughs> official terms here. I've dug into it trying to find these things. So they've been reviewing these applications, right? Yeah. And my understanding is they have submitted five proposed projects, which they have included high marks. So they value significantly higher than those other 50 applicants. So if that's the case, these are the people that are essentially, if I'm wrong, tell me that they're recommending we view as far as the funding and they're going to give their marks as to why, you know, this is kind of interesting because Camping World is one of those five. I mean, as far as what I've read from your colleague, mm-hmm. um, was it Stefan um, Hudex? Uh, I hope I'm not butchering his last name, but um, his piece from June 26th. So what can you tell us about that process or where we're at in the limbo? What is the window? Because, I mean, I've heard a potential start date of planning of August. So it doesn't seem that far off if things are going to roll. Do you know what our timeline is as far as approvals as far as funding because if they don't get the whole chunk that still leaves them seeking the rest of it right yeah yeah well i mean the 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 timeline right now is you're right they gave you know the the task force pushed forth these five uh proposals you know to move forward and florida central sports was one the convention center here in orlando was another one that was kind of almost a given they always usually get funding for it the uh, Amway Center is looking for some upgrades for funding. I think that was one as well. Dr. Phillips, which is the arts uh, theater and arts center here in town. And then UCF, which is looking for money for uh, Sports Athletic Village. They want to do a bunch of renovations and, and new uh, buildings up over there. And they were able to get that kind of pushed through. So what happens next is now the, the Orange County Board, you know, uh, Board of Commissioners will look at this. They'll look at these proposals and they'll kind of debate about it and decide. And then then the next step would be they vote on it, you know, whether or not they want to give, you know, the full amount of money or however it's broken down. I mean, I think for Florida Central Sports and for the Camping World Stadium, there's a bond they're looking for, and it goes for an extended period of time. I think it's like 20 years. Uh, UCF is is looking for its money, for instance. It's looking for a little bit every every month or every year for the next 10 years. Um, so they got to figure out where how they're going to kind of vote on this and, and move forward on it. Um, and that's we're hearing like a month, you know, it could be a month or so before that happens. Um, and for Florida Center Sports, you know, their next step and most of these projects, the next step then is you pay to get, you know, uh, you get someone to sit down and work on blueprints. You play to sit, get sit down to figure out planning. Um, and it may take, you know, five, six months to get that process done, you know, because as you know, with, with state government and local government, you know, it requires, you know, approvals for whoever you're going to hire to do that. And then you move forward. And, and then once that's moving, then you can start getting shovels in the ground as, as soon as you can. And as I've told people before, I mean, you're not guaranteed to get all the money that you've you've asked for. I mean, so that's where I mean, well, for instance, with Camping World Stadium and that, you know, they asked for eight hundred million dollars. They they may not get the whole eight hundred million dollars. They may they the group may say, okay, we're going to give you the four hundred million to put the seating in, you know, and do all that and build the the separate standalone uh, event center. But you know, we just think the roof's not really feasible for us, and so they're not going to do that, or or however they want to do it. So 
and whatever they get, I'm sure they'll move forward with the project. They'll try to get something, you know, they'll, whether it's the seating or the standalone or whatever, they're going to do that. And then once they get kind of through the planning process, then they'll start putting shovels in the ground and, and start thinking about it. Now, I think I'm not sure they've given an exact timeline of when they're going to start building every every step, you know, like when every what month they'll start you know, getting shovels in the ground. But it will be fairly soon once they get approval because they want to get this project started. Um, you know, what Florida Central Sports has learned in the past is, you know, when you wait on things, stuff happens. You know, they had we had an economic recession hit Orlando and in, in, uh, once they started their upgrades in 2014 and that kind of slowed things down. And then the pandemic hit. And they had to basically stop on on the stuff they wanted to do then, and we lost a lot of that tourism money. So there's there's steps that they I'm sure they would like to get moving forward. They'd like to be done by 2026, if I'm not mistaken, 2025 or 2026. So they, and they don't think this will cause any sort of major interruptions. Um, and again, you're talking about doing the upper deck. So um, you know there there may be points where they get that done before the bowl games happen in December and. You know, that may not become a factor when it comes to the Guardians, you know, if they're, you know, I mean, how, how that's impacted. So um, I'm sure they sat down and worked all this out. They haven't like announced that yet, but they're going to want to move pretty quickly and they want to get things going because it's going to take them some time to get that that upper deck built if they get it. And if they decide to put the roof on it, um, which they would love to do because they feel like they could do it all at the same time and it would all be connected together. Um, but again, like I said, I'm not sure with this group how much will get will get approved and, and what will move forward from that. It is interesting, funny, not laughing out loud, but funny, intriguing that you mentioned the 25 or 26, right, is the end date if they were going to get this, you know, roll in it. Because, again, I'm no insider in the Orlando world or even the ties to the National Football League, but there's obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars mm-hmm. are looking to renovate their own stadium and they're looking for a temporary venue. Now, I've read a bunch of options, right? Mm-hmm. Camping World Stadium in Orlando. I've read Daytona International Speedway in that grass between the actual track and pit lane, right? And then potentially bring in some other things. So there's some interesting things there. But that deadline of 2025 or 2026 is right in line with when they're looking to potentially, they're going to play 2024. But they're going to need that time to do their own renovation. So they're looking for a temporary home. Knowing that, this is not just about upgrading the stadium for bowl games and the Guardians and concerts and monster trucks, whatever they want to bring in. Mm -hmm. This is about bringing potentially the National Football League to town for Mm -hmm. a couple of seasons. And that is huge. How much are you hearing that that is a big part of why this is now the time to do it? I know they were doing renovations before. They didn't quite get as far along as they wanted. How much is it? Was it the, you know, finishing up what they started? How much of it is it? Well, we have an opportunity to get the Jaguars for a couple of years. How much is it anything else? What is really the driving force? And what is the likelihood in your opinion that this happens? Well, I think it's 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 a mix of both. I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously they'd love to get this project finished. You know, talking to Steve Hogan, you know, they've they really wanted to get it done several years ago. Obviously, everything happened with the pandemic and and you know, they couldn't really get moving on that front. Uh then they had to wait till the money to kind of get built back up again in the reserves. You know, also during that time period, you know, there's been some some opportunities that Orlando has missed out on. You know, they they were in 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 contention for the World Cup, you know, 2026 to host the World Cup games. 
and they were they were left out because and, and from talking to several people that was because of the stadium you know they felt the stadium was not up to speed to where it needs to be and you think about where the world cup games are being held at they're being held at nfl stadiums and a lot of them are brand new a lot of them are are or at least within the last you know five or ten years have been built you know they're billion dollar structures now that have been putting in so orlando's been trying to keep up with that and they can't, haven't been able to do that so that was one of it orlando lost out on possibly hosting the army navy football game you know that was a big deal you know they had the the the, the people the, the parties here looking at the stadium and i think the stadium was a big part of that as well as would the stadium be able to be up to, to par for that um so that was an issue and i think then you look at other events that they would love to host they would love to at some point try to host a semifinal game, you know, for the national championship. They'd love to ho- try to host a national championship game here. Um, now, whether or not that's going to happen, you know, again, that goes back to facilities. What can you do to upgrade and keep things going? You know, the national championship games have been ho- held at ga- uh, sites that are, you know, brand new stadiums. With SoFi, you know, last year, or uh, you know, where, you know, it's again, it's a billion dollar stadium that, that has been going on. Las Vegas is getting a lot of, of attraction. Nashville's building a stadium. I mean, there are now these venues that are that are really kind of, almost space age, you know, the way they're put together. And Orlando just can't keep up with that. You know, there, there's no billion dollars or there's no, uh, you know, billionaire or, or a billion dollar group behind that that can say, here's the money we want to pump into keeping the stadium, you know, up to speed. This is coming from the community. So, uh, you know, that's where I think Orlando was really pushing forward to try to get this accomplished because they feel like if we can even just get, you know, the the, the things we'd like to get done, then we have a better opportunity on some of those. And, and you're right. The Jaguars need to find a home for a couple of years. That's probably going to be one of the things that Orlando is going to go after. I wouldn't be shocked if Orlando goes after the Pro Bowl again. You know, they hosted the NFL Pro Bowl uh, for two or three years, you know, several years ago. They would love to do that again. They would love to have the Pro Bowl. It was a lot of fun. And I think the fans enjoyed being in the area and the, the families and everyone enjoyed that. They'd love to do that again. Um, you know, they, they're hosting two bowl games. They would probably love to do another a neutral site game. You know, I mean, after the, the, the Florida State and LSU, they would love to do that. Um, and then you look at like concerts. I mean, there's there's probably, you know, it's not lost on people around here that the Taylor Swift concerts were in Tampa, you know, at, at, the, at the NFL stadium and, and Orlando has a, a venue. They figure why not do Orlando one night, you know, or two nights, you know, and so they weren't able to get that as well. So I, I think that this is kind of a, a two way street for them. They want to, they want to do these upgrades because they want, they want to finish what they're doing, but two, they also feel like, listen, there's opportunities here to do that. And then once they get, if they can get this accomplished, then you can start focusing on other other things that are, that are kind of around the stadium. You know, there's there's areas around the stadium that still need to be addressed. The parking still has, has issues at times. And, you know, there's things like that that they'd love to upgrade and, and get there. But they can't do it till they get this project done as well. So it's um, I, I think they want to get this done, realizing that if they don't, they're going to fall farther and farther behind. And, and they just can't keep up with some of these billion dollar stadiums that are out there. So you've been in Orlando for at least a few decades, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you got roots i mean yeah. you work for the orlando sentinel and tribune so you have significant ties in the community that you are entrenched into the integral workings of the city i mean that's not, not just to put you on a pedestal but just the reality right yeah well you are a good person to kind of give us our litmus test here ask guardian fans or xfl fans are wondering what's the likelihood that they get some of this funding and if they get some of it or don't get some of it, what is the likelihood that this does really move forward? You mentioned that they got some, some money, some bonds or whatever out there that they're working on or have, how much should we anticipate this impacting this stadium and potentially the guardians? 
Well, I mean, I think it just depends. I mean, like, I, I think they'll get something out of it. I mean, this this next round. I mean, I, I think they'll get some sort of agreement. Now, whether, like I said, it's like 800 million or not, I, I'm of the belief, and this is not this is nothing I've heard from anybody or anyone, but I'm of the belief I think they'll get enough to get the, the upper deck done. I think if they can get the upper deck finished and new, I mean, this is, we're talking about 1940s. The upper deck was the only thing they did not tear down when they redid the, the, the structure in 2014. So the upper deck is still, you know, 1940s, 50s type upper deck. You know, the seating is really cramped. It's not like it is in, in most places now. Um, the rest of the, the the bowl of the stadium is, is, is comfortable seating. You know, so they would love to get that upper deck done. And, and to do that, they're going to have to stretch it around, around the whole uh, top upper bowl, you know, of the uh, stadium. And then they can, that connects everything together. And that would make everyone be able to kind of get around the stadium and, and comfortable. And they can upgrade also the, you know, bathrooms and concourses and make things deck. Um, so I think that's something they could they could possibly get approved for. And I also think the the standalone structure might be something they get because they can host a lot of events in that outside the stadium and that generates revenue and things like that. And that's not, it's not necessarily on the physical bolt, the stadium property. I mean, it's off to the side. So I think they would be able to do that. I think if they get the start, I still think there's a, a possibility, you know, they can host some of these events, you know, I mean, even with this going on, um, because I think there'll be windows where they can get some of the construction done. I know, you know, with the Guardians, you know, if the Guardians, they're, they're back this year, it looks like, you know, if they're going to be back another year um, and they're still going to be in Orlando. I mean, obviously, you know, their attendance would need to get would get a bit higher and bigger. You know, obviously, it's I think at the point this last year was 11 or average around 11,000 fans a game. They were mostly in the lower bowl. No one was very few times people were sitting in upper deck. So I think they would keep everyone in the lower bowls if they could. So you would you would have to avoid all that. And I think they could get most of the main construction done before, you know, that that would affect that. So I, I think everything's still on the table. I mean, I don't think there's any point where it's like, okay, they're they should be worried about moving these games out of here or having to, to go play them elsewhere. Um, I think the the Florida Central Sports has probably done a good job of looking at that. Now that remains to be seen what happens in, in the next, you know, six months or so, depending on what they get moved forward with, if they decide they can continue to do that. I mean, they don't want to miss out on opportunities like the Jacksonville situation. They would love to continue to do that because they believe at some point that that would impress the NFL enough to that maybe if the NFL does expand, you add a team to Orlando, you bring a team to Orlando. So um, I don't think they would want to miss out on that. And I think because of that, I don't. I think that would also help out the Guardian situation because I think it would be timeline wise, it would be similar. There's a lot of ifs, right? <laughs> what we think, what makes sense, all this. So if this does happen, and let's say they have to expedite, really streamline things to rock and roll by the time funding comes in, by the time the blueprints and the architects, everyone gets together and they get all these subcontractors and, you know, general contractors, and they bring in all these people. Well, it takes a little bit of time. So they might get pushed back just enough. August, obviously, is pre-planning. We got September, October. Obviously, these games in the fall are not going to be impacted the bowl games. But let's just say, geez, we really need to get this done, right? 2024 is here. Now this is our window. We got because we got to essentially be ready for tw- the 2025 season for the NFL. If that's really what gives them the chance to get the Jaguars, let's say hypothetically, the big if the Guardians have to be displaced for the season, where? Could well, I know where they could possibly play. There's a bunch of places in Orlando, but have you heard when the Guardians were coming to town? And before we knew that, you know, they named Orlando, but we didn't have the venues, and we heard that it was a possibility. 
who else was potentially in the mix? Do you have any names? Do you have any idea? Was it, you know, Exploria Stadium? I don't know if that's still the name for Orlando yeah. City Soccer Club. Uh, I mean, was it over what they refer to as the bounce house over, at, you know, Central Florida? I mean, I, I don't know. What, what were some potential um, situations that are more likely than the other? Well, I think the most likely would have been UCF, would have been the uh, FBC Mortgage Stadium or the Bounce House, what it's called. I think more likely, I think that they would have, they would have, you know, they were a site that when the last, not the XFL, but when it was the American Alliance of, or Alliance of American Football, whatever that was, short-lived league, the Orlando Apollos, they held their home games at, at UCF, you know, so they had their home games there. And UCF is, is, a, is a school right now that is moving into the Big 12, and they're definitely looking to use the stadium and their, their facilities to rent out at times to generate additional revenue to help them out. And so they already host the Hula Bowl, uh, which is in, uh, I think it's in late January, uh, the Hula Bowl is. And so they, they host a, a football game there, and that's usually about a week. Um, and they've also are looking at hosting a bowl game there. It looks like it's next year, the Cure Bowl. So it wouldn't shock me if they had, if the, if the Guardians had to move or if anything happened, that that, that would be maybe a spot to look at, you know, because you're looking at, you know, depending on what is the five games, you know, I mean, and so you could find a way to do that. And so that would probably be one of the, the places. The problem with Exploria is, and one of the reasons why that, that you know, that they moved, they're moving the Cure Bowl to, to UCF is because the Exploria is going to be doing some renovations itself. Uh, they're doing some upgrades to, uh, and their season starts in February. I mean, their season's like a February type. So I don't think they would want to do anything where they have to continue to tear apart the stadium and, you know, bring in football and do it like, you know, for however many weeks. So. I think you're looking at UCF as probably the best the best place at this point, unless they wanted to go somewhere, you know, to find another school maybe nearby that they felt like they can do it. But um, you know, all the all the what you need, you know, the TV access, you know, ESPN things like that, with, that covers the games. You know, UCF Stadium has been retrofitted for that, so they understand exactly what they would need to do. So um, that would probably be my guess if they were going to do it. And when I and when they originally were coming here, I remember asking, "Is this?" Have you been contacted? I remember UCF told me they hadn't, but um, I'm sure at some point there was probably a discussion on, on that too as well. Because again, you're looking at costs. What what works best? I know the Guardians want to stay in, at, at Camping World Stadium. They like the facility; gives it more of an NFL feel, you know. And I think that if they can work it out, that's what they would like to stay at. If they can, and they can work, and maybe they can. I mean, you know, again, it it, it depends on what the you know what it takes to put the the remaining work done that's going to be done. Um, and they can find a way to do that. As of right now, like I said, there have not been any discussions on if we have to move it or let's go there. So I think right now they're just hoping that everything kind of ends up working itself out. Well, hopefully it does. I am a Guardian <laughs> season ticket holder. I usually make the two and a half to three hour drive. We know I-4 is usually not the best mm. path to travel, but sometimes it's the only path uh, when you're coming from certain places. So hopefully it does work out. Because, you know, you'd hate to see anything like a significant shift. It's the one thing if you had to find a temporary venue for a season or two. Yeah. But it'd be really unfortunate if it forced, you know, and I, this is not anything reported people, so let's not get into it. I know my listeners will start, wait, what? It'd be unfortunate if it forced them to really relocate to another market. That, that'd be unfortunate for Orlando because, no. you know, the first season may not have gone as well as people maybe had anticipated as far as attendance, but I would like to think that year two will be better. How much better? I don't know. Maybe you have a better feel for that than I would uh, in the market. If there's any more buzz now, now that they've completed the season compared to when they're coming in. Uh, I don't know. Any thoughts there? 
Well, I, I think, you know, listen, I, I think Danny Garcia, you know, who's the chairwoman of, of the league, I, I think you know, she lives in Orlando. She lives in the Orlando area. I think she wants to keep this this franchise in Orlando as long as she can, as long as, as long as it's financially feasible to do it, where you're not to the point. I mean, the league has already said, listen, we've lost money. You know, we've, we're going to lose money for a, for a couple of years until we get our footing. You know, we're accepting that, you know, so I, I think if you're, if you're Danny, you want to, you know, she talks a lot about being, you know, in, you know, growing up in this area, being in this from this area now and how, you know, it's important. You know, so I think she wants to keep the team here. So I don't think there's any sort of idea of let's move this franchise somewhere else and, and move. Now, I mean, if you have to move to temporarily somewhere, if, if there's going to be renovations or something, I don't. I think she'd like to keep it in the area still as well, because I think moving it outside Orlando would not be a good move for keeping the fan base excited. I mean, you know, you want your fans to be right there. They don't want to make them drive, you know, however, like an hour somewhere to go to go watch games. I think you'd like them to, to be right there. So. Um, I, I think they'll do whatever they can to make that work. And so uh, I, I, there is buzz. I mean, there, I've talked to some people who enjoyed, you know, the XFL last season, thought there was, you know, it was, it was fun. I think obviously the way the, the, the season went for the Guardians didn't help their attendance. I mean, if, you know, I've, I told some of the other, if they, if they'd started out winning, you know, three or first, uh, three of the first four games or something like that, it probably would have done better. I mean, people would have been more excited about coming out. Um, and I also think that, the approach and Terrell Buckley, you know, the Guardians coach talked to about this uh, after the season that, you know, the approach the Guardians took was very different than the, the, some of the other teams. And I think Terrell thought that more of a looked at it more of a ongoing process for three or four years where we're going to we're going to draft some younger players and we're going to develop them and then they're going to be we'll get there eventually. And I think what he saw was everyone that was in the, the D.C. defenders and Houston, you know, the, the Houston team and Arlington. You know, they went out and got experienced NFL guys, guys who had been in the NFL recently, and they were able to, bam, you know, bam they were right there. They're ready to go. And and for the Guardians, I think there was a little bit of an adjustment of, okay, now we got to get guys who actually can, can who aren't going to take a couple games to get their feet under them. You know, guys who hadn't been sitting out for three or four or five years who hadn't played. And, you know, um, so I think you saw a little bit of that with the, with the rookie draft. Uh, you saw how some of the signings they've had. I think you know, Terrell definitely wants to try to bring in more experience right off the bat and try to make sure that they can get their get out strong, get out of the gate strong. Um, and and it's not a it's not a fault of him so much. I mean, it's just I think it's hard when you're starting up a, new, a league again and trying to figure out how you're going to run a franchise. And you know, it's it's getting players that you feel like can step in and can contribute right away, especially at quarterback. I mean, it's it's so hard to find guys, and it's it's why you saw so many players rotate out through uh, the. Uh, uh, transaction wires, you know, because, you know, they just, it was just finding guys who they felt like could really fit and do some things. And I think that they also, I think the Guardians also midway to the season made it, they made a switch at offensive coordinator. I think that benefited them. Their offense looked a lot better, was a lot more, uh, you know, up to speed and their defense just, they just need to improve on defense. The defense was just bad. And it was just, at times it just couldn't hold anyone. They were in a lot of games, but towards the end, they couldn't hold anyone down. And I think if they'd done that, they would have won a few more games. But that win that that one win that they had against the defenders here in Orlando was a huge win for them. That really carried, you know, there was a lot of momentum. I remember talking to Terrell, and this is a guy who won a Super Bowl, you know, and he was telling me like this was one of the, the premier you know feelings in the world. And so you you the coaching and coaches staffs and the players were excited. So I think they 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 definitely feel like coming back this year they're gonna have a much better footing on what's going on and understand what they need to do. And um, I think that spells that'll be good. I, I think. Getting players and coaches to come to the area more often as well. I'm sure this is the way in, in some of the other markets is the more you engage the the fans in your community, the, the better chances you're going to have. And I think they did that more towards the end of the year where they did more events around the community where they tried to get fans 
to come out and meet the players and stuff like that. That's going to be huge moving forward because there are some local kids on these teams. There are some kids from UCF and Florida, Florida State, and guys who played and, and, and fans are familiar with. But you've got to get everyone on this to, to kind of get in aboard on this team. And I, I think that's going to help them out do that. Well, I appreciate your insight and your thoughts because, you know, as a Guardians fan, it was a rough season. And there was, uh, you know, especially since it's traveling a little bit to go yeah. to the games and convince my wife that, yeah, it's still worth to make the drive. You know, if you don't want to go, I'll go alone. But, you know, it's it's definitely, you know, a lot going on. But building blocks, if anything, you know, everything's new. Yes, some people had some veteran coaches and got some veteran players, so they kind of had more of a, a professional vibe. And But, you know, I, I like to think that a lot of the rookie coaches – that are returning because the Woodson's no longer with the, you know, the league for the Vipers. But I like to think there's a good opportunity that the league could look differently. Now that they'll shift their approach and tweak some things because they were a much, much more competitive team, not just by winning the, 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 you know, against the defenders, but also the fact they were in a lot of games and looked very different with Quentin Dormady. And, um, you know, we'll have to see what happens with him with, uh, you know, Buffalo Bills and whatnot. But. I will say this too. I, I think the one the XFL can take a lot of pride in this past year is that you're seeing now their impact of some of the things they do on the field that other, other people are copying. I mean, look at what's going on in college football right now. Um, you know, you, you, a lot of the things that the XFL was doing this past year, college football leagues are saying, we're going to do more of that. The idea of miking up their coaches before the games, the idea of having cameras in locker rooms at halftime, the idea of even even talking about having maybe a camera in the in the you know, instant replay room, you know, I've had talked to a couple of of athletic directors from schools across the country who said, "I love that concept. I would love for for our elite, to our network partners to do that. You know, give the fans something more." The idea being talking to a lot of commissioners is we want to make the game exciting for fans. Well, that's all XFL was trying to do, and 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 now those those things are kind of starting to get carried over in, into these other areas, and I think you're going to see more of that. I mean, I think the way they do some of the rules on, on their team, I think you're going to see how that is going to carry over. So there's things I think the XFL has done well that other people are saying, okay, we're going to copy that. Now the XFL has got to say, okay, what, we can, what can we do now to continue to do that and keep things uh, you know, moving forward? I got to say, covering games, I thought it was fun on the, on the field before games. I love the idea that you know they have areas where fans can come in and you know, like uh, season ticket fans could come in and, and meet the players as they're walking on the field to go warm up for games. I mean, that's just unheard of, you know I mean? Where, you know, where you can actually sign autographs and pose for pictures and, and all that stuff. And it was such a great way of, of bonding to get players and the community and everyone together. Um, to me, that's something that I think other leagues need to look at because sometimes you, you get that separation and, and and you don't feel like you're, you're a fan. I saw so many young kids who love that. I mean, they got autographs and I, I mean, they were just excited to be there and to meet their, these these players and i think that's something that can carry over and they continue to do that i think that league will help this league st- get continue to build its footing up i agree and i just don't agree because i'm an xfl you know, podcast but i agree because you know as a sports fan and i love a lot of sports and i mean played a lot of sports from high school and college and whatnot but the access bang for your buck all of that, because sometimes it's easy to get priced out of even being able to do something. And I, I don't have children, but if I were to have children, I could see how sometimes, like, you know, the cost of doing something might not be feasible. But when you do spend that money, because you might be able to save up and take your family for one or, one or two of those outings, and you don't have the access that you could spend a significantly lot less money and get 
And for especially young kids, if they already knew who Terrence Plummer was, you know, playing for UCF back in the time, and now that, you know, they might have been a younger kid, but now they're a little bit older. They already have a tie to him because, you know, they watched him play collegiate ball, and maybe they watched him a little bit in the National Football League before, you know, he's now out of it. Well, to them, he's still somebody. It's not like this whole minor league sports that a lot of people like to you know, rubber stamp these all as. Is it uh, no one's really going to care, but the kids will. And for the the amount of money that families are spending to have that access and it be affordable, it, I think is a big selling point. And it's something the more they can do that without, you know, obviously spending too much on the other end because they do need to at some mm-hmm. point break even and turn a profit. Or that's, you know, that's what they're in business for people. They're not here as a charity, but I mean, for the time being, mm-hmm. I agree. Those type of things. Uh, and it's good to see that other leagues or other sports are taking notice of that and uh, hopefully going to implement that, whether it be rules, whether it be just access and, and events. That's always a good thing. Cause I'm, I wasn't aware of maybe college football, whatever conferences or whatever might be looking to do those things, but that that's encouraging that the XFL obviously has always been a league of innovation from 2001. 2020 and obviously now with uh, 2023 in the books uh, they continue to move that envelope and are making changes so i mean that's encouraging and that's exciting to think that you know, the xfl has a future mm-hmm. very much so and like i said i think it's something that they can that they can take pride in and again i think this next year we'll see you'll see more of that growth i think you'll see more of what's what they're able to do and uh, i think that'll help them out in the long run and uh, again you're right it's a business you know, for, first and foremost, they got to figure out a way to to make it all work. But um, I, I think now that you've had a year under it, um, and you've got good backing and and things like that, I, I think that's that's going to really kind of help them out a little bit. And as long as they continue to have a good media rights deal and they continue to get sponsorships and things like that, which they've done, I mean, I think they're going to be fine. I mean, it's it's just it, you know, again, uh, it, it just takes a little bit of time to get people kind of up to speed what's going on. Like you said, you know, some people just don't know exactly what's you know, and and, and the more you build that brand. The more eventually the people will, will come to it and, and take part in it, and so, and you gotta you gotta win too. And I mean, that's the thing that you know I, I you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from what the Guardians. I'm just you know I, I've said you know it's it, it, you can have some success and show winning, get some wins here or there. I, I think eventually the fans will come out and and really take part in it. Crawl, walk, run, win a few games, at least a few, even if you don't make the playoffs, but be a little bit more you know than one. I agree. Well, Matt. Thank you. It has been a pleasure, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss this potential Camping World Stadium renovation situation. And just, you know, to finish up talking about the Guardians in general and its outlook for 2024 and hopefully beyond. So, you know, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being on. You're welcome. Before you go, this is where I give everyone an opportunity to share where they can find your work, where they can find you on social media, because we may have sparked some interest for some people being like, wait, what? I didn't even know this renovation thing was going on. Uh, so now I got to follow somebody to stay in tuned and, you know, hopefully just in, you know, with the Orlando sports scene and Orlando in general. Yeah. They can follow, go to Orlando Sentinel.com to, to get the latest stories. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at OS Matt Rochelle. Uh, you know, again, all, all sorts of stuff going on. It's, it's, it's never a slow time, is it? You know I mean? It's supposed to be what July 5th and we're, we're still, uh, there's still stuff going on and, and still picking up and wrapping up again. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. Perfect. Thank you, Matt. We're fortunate to have Matt share his knowledge of the ongoing developments with Camping World Stadium. One way or another, the outcome will have an impact on the XFL and the Orlando Guardians future. I will continue to keep my eye on the situation and will provide updates as they become available. 
Unfortunately, we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have an XFL-related comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform of choice. One last thing. If you are interested in checking out our friends over at True Victory, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, PLAYER54, for 15% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.